Oh, God. He's just trying to stop laughing from that. Uh, we have corn back. That's the biggest thing we need to Hello. go through, first of all. We've got corn back. Tash is awake. I think she was awake last week, actually. That's yeah, fine. Me and Ben have been solo sometimes. Me trying to stay up. Ben, not. Just natting away. Just see yeah. you falling asleep. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's a... Uh, it's been a very long day today, but anyway, Corn's just woke up about 30, 40 minutes ago. Yep. There's still that outside. It's great. <laughs> uh, I love this time difference. I think it's just so cool. Um, but one thing we haven't spoken about is programming. Um, there's so many rabbit holes we can go down with this, I think. Um, so many rabbit holes. I think Tash will come from a weightlifting standpoint. Um, ben will come from a sort of his kind of take on sort of programming i don't know what you've kind of researched and stuff i know corn's done opex i've done quite a bit of the opex stuff just not the actual ccp um and a lot of the training think tank stuff and generally what now five six years of programming on and off and whatnot so um yeah uh ben said he was going to ask quite a few questions so i wonder what he's kind of got in store yeah yeah, do you, want, do you want me starting off? I if you've got a question burning straight away, mate, let's go. Yeah, cool. Um, so I know, so we're going to talk about like periodization. I'm very interested to know what periodization looks like from a CrossFit standpoint. So how, like, let's, let's say, let's say you have a, have a CrossFit client or somebody who's doing CrossFit and you know that you're training with them for at least like 12 months, for example, or yourself. How, how would you approach like planning out long-term 12 month like program? It all depends on sort of like, obviously I think the biggest thing, and I think this is for every program going forward and any client from any sport is you look at specifics, like how long they've been training, what's their experience, train like their actual physical age um, and sort of like what are their bio, like what their, as OPEX called it recently, which I quite like, it actually took me to my retail days of KPIs. Um, mm. What are their key performance indexes at the moment? Um, have they competed before and stuff like that? And then what's their eyes on? Nine times out of 10, it will be something like the open that you kind of strive towards, especially now as they've got that 10% thing. I think that's a really cool, cool thing to strive for. You just got to be top 10% in your region and in your world to move on. Like that's it. Um, and then you move to quarterfinals. And I think that's going to be the next big thing for a lot of people to get to. But I don't think it's out of everyone's reach. I think that 10% is quite easily gettable for people who have kind of trained already. So, Tash is making right. all the noise in the world. Um, so I think that's what uh, you, kind of, you kind of look at. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I think that's what you kind of look at. So if I was looking at the Open, as I think we already said, uh, you've got, what, let's say 300 odd days plus some sort of time off here and there. You're bound to have other competitions during um, and you can kind of use them as mini testers. I did with Corn actually. Corn done a little test before the Open. Uh, we didn't actually get to the Open, I don't think, together because I think you had done a load of other stuff and was off the wagon a little bit and then went to your coach now to learn more with OPEX um but we did a little competition we had a competition we went through um before it uh and it's kind of 
yeah, that's a tough one to sort of go through because people are like, oh, but we always do, I know, think of one over here, Battle for Middle Ground or Castle Games. We always do it as a team. It's like, okay, well, you got to think that you're not going to be super fit for it and stuff like that. This is what the main goal is in 12 months' time um, and training for that. So I don't know. It depends on the client, really. Right. If, if they physically want to get super like the best for the open they need to know that you know the building blocks to get there let's say between now and september october they're not going to be super super fit but by the time october comes around it's going to get real difficult and then january to sort of end of feb it's just going to get brutal um and then a little deload and then the open is just going to be you know three weeks I think people have worked out that the average time of an open workout is between sort of eight to sort of 12, 13 minutes. They've have been getting longer in the past couple of um, years. So you're literally training for three workouts, potentially three workouts for what? 36 to 40 minutes of work. When you put it into that perspective, it's like, why am I doing this in a sense? Yeah. Um, (laughs) But when you build up to it in January, you can do a lot of pre-competition phase where you're doing sports specific. So you're pretty much doing like open-esque workouts and you can potentially gauge yourself from your last year's open. If you didn't do it, you need to do it like now and then you can go forward with it um, and kind of figure out if you're going to be in that top 10% comfortably. And if you are, then obviously you're not training for those three weeks. You're training for the quarterfinals, which for us start next week. I see. You have the three weeks, week off, quarterfinals which is literally a weekend i think it is three days of uh six workouts potentially i think so you do two send them on the friday two send them on the saturday two send them on the sunday slash monday night um something along the lines i'm not too sure to be honest about the quarterfinals but obviously if you're training for the open and you don't think you're going to get through or you're just going to scrape through then you don't train for the quarterfinals you train to crush the open but if you're training for the quarterfinals, the open is just a blip on the way. It's almost still pre-competition phase or competition phase. So again, it all, it all kind of depends. But yeah. building blocks wise, you've got to look at what you need. Potentially a lot of zone one, zone two work to build up aerobic base. A lot of skill breakdown. And I don't just mean go and do some beat swings and kip swings and hope for the best. It's breakdown, strict gymnastic work do a lot of bodybuilding work to make sure tendons, ligaments, everything like that are feeling great and funky. Um, get some confidence. So I've got someone recently just started again um, and she's looking to go for the open. I know her very well, I've coached her for a couple of years now. Um, so I know most of her weaknesses and whatnot. For her, it's going to be a lot of strict gymnastics work. It's going to be, she used to squat years and years and years. So get her squat numbers back to how they were because then she feels super comfortable. Yeah. Same with myself. It makes sense. If if my legs feel super strong, I know I can clean anything I want, and all I need to do is work on snatch rhythm, and I can pretty much snatch what I like, and I'll be fine. Right. Um. To get some confidence back in sort of movements, especially now we're coming out of lockdown. She's at a bar and stuff, but getting back into a gym, I think it's going to be super fun for her. Um, right. Like that. So it depends on the client. But I don't. I don't know how corn's you know done. I don't think you've had a client for the Open this year, did you? No, exactly. That's why I kept quiet because um, I don't really program for CrossFit. Um, and also OPEX have it on, you know, the mixed model one. 
specific meds for CrossFit athletes, and I haven't done that. In that. So I, I, I don't know. For me, it just would be the same as like um, periodization for for every other sport, just working backward from from where your target is. Yeah. And how how would you how would you work backwards in a sense? Like, what time frame would you give yourself? Like, so if you if I said to you, right, I want to compete, blah blah blah. I think most people nowadays who are, want to be athletes understand that it's not going to be super healthy for super long. And they want to give themselves not just like, I want to compete in six months. It's I'm going to compete in two years. So, you know, let's use like a You think people think that? Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of people like that, that generally do. And I think the people who are switched on enough to get individualized coaching for it, I think are a little bit more sort of glued That's on. Fair enough. A good couple of yeah, years. yeah not the one in a class and trying to like, you know, beat the whiteboard every day and try to beat the open. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't. Yeah. And if they have, and they've just done the open now and they want to get gooder, gooder, gooder. Oh God, I'm tired. Um, better. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, right, I want to hit that 10% next year. And they're at like 60% now they've got to climb f- like 30% through the open, which is what probably like 20, 30, even more thousand spaces. Um, and yeah. their coach is like, yeah, you just need to do this every day. Then your coach hates you. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to go hard every day. Like, actually, don't go hard every day. <laughs> Not at all. Not at no. all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say, so, Tash, from, from your perspective, then, in terms of weightlifting, do you have like a set, like, template for like, all clients to follow or is weightlifting different in terms of the way you program people individually because I'm, I'm very I, I know a little bit about weightlifting programming but very 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 little so uh you're, you're probably different from like coach to coach um right. but it's just going off of how I've learned and oh, how okay, I've gotcha. been coached that's how I coach and plan for my athletes um and again like it would depend on their training background and and things that Liam said but um most of our ones are all like very new to weightlifting so everyone basically starts at the beginning see how they move um lots of squats um pulls things like that just to build their base strength and then we always, I'm not sure if you do, go from like top down. I actually learn, teach from top down. Yeah, top down. Um, I like to look at mobility as well, because oh, if yeah, they can't get a bar like snatch grip overhead, there's no point getting them to snatch. Kind of like they need to yeah. be mobile, first of all. So I get, I program a lot of mobility in as well. Um, and then a lot of like upper back shoulder strength um yeah basically yeah so we do like the lifts but then i program a lot of mobility accessories and like strength around it so yeah cool in in terms of like especially in terms of squatting this is something that i noticed from from seeing weightlifters i very rarely see like olympic weightlifters squatting more than maybe five six reps like even when they're doing hypertrophy, do you ever do kind of high rep stuff with yeah. with like with right? Okay, gotcha. five sets of ten. 
Five, five, six. Oh, damn. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But that's like, um, if your squat strength isn't quite there, that's how you basically fast track it. I see. So like you build up. I think as well, like if we look at it from like a muscular endurance standpoint, with like sets and reps, uh, you guys still there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Oh, I thought you were frozen. You literally are just <laughs> still as anything. I was like, he's frozen. <laughs> um, like she's got what clean doubles and clusters and stuff that when we say cluster, we mean sets of um like doubles. So two cleans, one jerk or something like that. And she's got like right. six, seven sets of them. She's doing a ton of squatting. So I think squatting volume for people who are getting into programming, like a lot of squatting itself is just better. Then trying to get them to do constant cleans when their technique is probably not that great. Yeah, not that terrible. great anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I, I can, I can understand. So, from what I understand, then it's, it's maybe more beneficial, especially if you're like kind of fairly new to weightlifting. Don't stress too much about the weight for any snatch or clean. Actually, focus more on the weight for your your squat and accessory work, and just go light as possible and as as effective as possible for your snatching yeah. clean and so like there's, there's two things that you want to do like it's strength well there's like three things really like mobility yeah. first and foremost make sure you can move then strength so your squats and your pulls and then technique so right. we'll go we'll go snatch and clean but we'll like drill it right the way down so that when it comes to it and you're doing it from the floor you can put all those steps together and it should be smooth. It should be. Right. I think it's really top. rewarding to see straight away as well. Cause when yeah. you're using a PVC pipe or a training bar, or if you've got some sort of strength, like a lot of guys could potentially use a 15 kilo bar to learn how to snatch quite nicely. But like, mm-hmm. if you can't get in that overhead squat position, then after like three weeks of doing mobility work to warm up position drills, and then you're squatting and pulling heavy as well. And then in three or four weeks time, you suddenly at like, let's say a box squat almost, but for an overhead squat after you've snatched, you're like, oh, this was really like, that's like progress. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think it's really rewarding straight away, but yeah, man, I was going to say something else, but I can't remember what I was going to say, which is like the part, like we said about CrossFit versus weightlifting versus powerlifting. Powerlifters always have that strength. So coming into it, they will need to focus on the other two, where if you're a weightlifter going to powerlifting, you just now need to squat a lot more, um, potentially squat and pull more. Yeah, man. Which that, a couple makes, weeks, I think that makes was. a lot of sense, man. It's funny because um, Gareth was saying today, like after my squats, he messaged me and he was like, look, it's not, you're a, you're a weightlifter at the end of the day and you don't need to do heavy ones all the time. That's not what you're training for. You need to get, you need to build them up so that you can snatch and clean as heavy as possible. You're not a power lifter. Power lifters need to train to that heavy one all the time because that's what the end goal is, isn't it? Your heavy, heavy one squat, bench and deadlift. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of different. That's very, very true. Yeah. yeah. It's a very good point. So that's yeah, why th- we do a lot of sets and a lot of reps of everything. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I heard recently about the guy, uh, is it Mark Syme? 
you know, that, that dude, the, I remember where he's from, is it like Estonia or something? He's the guy who can squat like 400 kilos, like just like it's nothing. But yeah. his his snatch is like 20 kilos or 30 kilos less than like Lasha Tallahatsi. And like their squat difference is like 70 kilos difference a, uh... or something. Japanese guy at the moment who's doing like a lot of squat challenges at Clarence. Oh, that's that Toshiki dude. Yeah. Yeah. But he's snatching he's terrible compared to everyone else's. He's he's the guy who snatches in Metcon, isn't he? No, no, not at all. Uh, really? Oh, right. who's, who's that guy? Definitely in lifters because he's got Romaleos. If I remember rightly, he's got like bright white, he's got white Romaleos with like the blue and red ticky kind of thing. But, um, yeah, like he's, I think he's got like okay. a 170 snatch and 270 clean jerk, but the snatches at his body weight are like 180, 190, I think. Yeah, Tension I think, I think he's about 200 pounds. Yeah. 200 he's a, kilos. He's, he's a beast, dude. Oh, yeah, he's, he's a big, yeah. big boy. He's got thick, as they were saying. Thick. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. That's, I think that's cool, though. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think for weightlifting as well, like if we look at it from an athlete standpoint, you know when the competitions are on. Mm-hmm. Like you have a stage mm-hmm. process of competitions mm-hmm. where with sort of like CrossFit, it's, you've got the open and then, yeah, you may have some brands that like, like I said, Battle for Middle Ground, Castle Games over here that you know they're going to have competitions. But, you know, you've got European Championships. It's always one that's on. Um, oh, right. Which is a... Uh, an individual one but then most of the other ones will like partners or teams because that's how they make the money and there's not that many individual big competitions over here you know so if you're trying to get to that level i think it's harder for crossfit athletes than it is weightlifters because weightlifters you've got british you've got english you've got europeans you've got um like loads of different meets that you could technically go to yeah and lower has always got competitions going on for like beginner athletes. There's quite a few going on that are pretty much periodic. Makes sense. Um, right. Where with us, it's yeah, every quarter there's a competition easily. And I suppose there probably is for us, but it's just not at a standard that you're probably trying to reach. You know, if you're trying to be a Premier League footballer player and you're, you know, practicing with sunday league and you're literally just crushing them every week you're never going to get as good as you possibly can be because you're not pushing yourself with the other kind of level you're not stressed are you you go to a sunday league and you're like you know uh league one or whatever this is really how much of a football i know you what's the point like really what is the point yeah you're just going into showboat that's true yeah or just like show up yeah yeah Gotcha, mate. Cool. So, so for for you guys then, um, do you more or less primarily when when a client approaches you and says, you know, I want support with my program, is it primarily people that have a specific goal, or do you have clients who have extremely general goals, or just like, I just want to lose weight, I just want to like look better in general. Most Help. of my client like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most of my client like that. And then, and that's why we have consultation. So OPEC right. actually recommend that you do 15 to 20 minute consultation, but I do one hour. 
Yeah, it's like just need to sit right. with them and like yeah. talk to them about their goal and like what they actually really want. And I think it's worked really well to like just sit down and talk. It and builds really relationship. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I think I've, I totally agree with that. I think it's absolutely critical. I totally agree as well with the, I, I, I heard the same thing, like a 15 to 20 minute consultation to start off with. I, I don't know if I've ever had a 15 to 20 minute consultation. <laughs> I think no. it always is just yeah i always say okay we'll, we'll give it like about 20 minutes and it's like 45 50 minutes later we're still <laughs> yeah exactly still trying to lay things out so yeah how um Paul, i think how it's do you... how you oh, sorry, mate, yeah, sorry go on. i think it's, it's how you work as well like you know if you're one of those cautious who have like 100 clients and you know really money driven and number driven then yeah you need to have 15 minute consultation but I like I don't care about number. Like I, I only want a few clients who who can coach really well. So one hour is fine for me. Right. I got I got you, mate. Yeah, I'm yeah. from two because I've got the the group side of things, like the class side of things, and then I've got the individual side of things. So from the group yeah. side of things, like I don't need consultation. They come down. I know what they want to do. They come into the class. They get into it but give me a week and I'll know everything they need to do. I know all their positions they can hit. I know injuries they've had. I know their limitations yeah. in certain workouts that even when I do a group class, I am still individually giving different orders to them, different prescriptions, different rep schemes, different loadings to the same workout, but they're all getting like an individual response. They're, they're kind of going for the same response, but it's all, you know, if it's a fast workout or a long one or something like that, they're all still getting the same kind of stimulus from it. I think that's what's massively right. changed me between other CrossFit coaches. I think that's, that's made me so more confident in my coaching. That's it. That's interesting, man, because I, I feel like that is definitely the the potential limits of group group like class or like group coaching or group training. Um I've definitely experienced that, um, like running group classes, the difference between how you can individualize a class as much as possible and, and build those relationships compared to just giving out a workout, you yeah. know, just having things on the board where this is what we do, go and do it. Um, I think, I, I don't know if you, if you guys have um, read, I know there was an article by Joel Jameson, which was, it was pretty like contentious. He, he's obviously he was a bit clickbaity, but it was like like the death of group training, and it was his views on how like the hit mentality of group classes, where it's just like like right from the get go, it's just like all guns blazing, like everyone for themselves, no kind of support. It just hasn't worked. It's like systematically failed. Like I'd I'd like to know your perspective in terms of like what you think is good about group training and what you just said, I know you, what you just said there about how you can shift away from that kind of perspective of like, you're just providing a workout. Like, like how, how do you kind of reach beyond that? I think like James Fitzgerald said it uh, a couple of times. And I think it's brilliant. A 12 year old can write a workout. <laughs> Generally speaking, a 12-year-old who knows what a squat, pull, press, whatever is, can write a workout, yeah. generally. Um, That'd be cool, man. I'd love to see that. 
Well, you've got a 12 year old who's done some sort of lifting before. I reckon Leo, who's nine, could write a workout for us. And it may, it may be terrible, but it's still a workout on the board that generally nine times out of 10, you've probably seen something similar before. Yeah. Um, I think the issue with group programming is that if you're a gym that's using someone else's group programming, so I had it firsthand at NWK, we used Gravesend's programming. Chris, I know, does the programming. This may not be his fault directly, but you know who's in your gym. Even if it's 120 people, you know those 120 people, especially in a CrossFit right. gym. Yeah. So you will program slightly biased to helping the majority. Mm. So if he's in every morning at 6 a.m. and he kind of sees that there's a pulling, lack of pulling strength, there's going to be a deadlift program going forward. In Maidstone, right. we can have some really strong-ass pullers, but we've got weak-ass squatters. So we're not going to squat for six weeks, and we're actually going to get worse. I see. Now, it may not his, yeah. be his fault directly, but you would know that in the back of your head. Even when you're not thinking about it and you're programmed, that's kind of what you're doing. And that's what I do for my guys, because no one else is using our programming. I know our guys are. And I can see from the stats what's been going on forward. So when we first started at the barn, none of us, I think we squatted three times last year between when uh, I left NWK and January. Three times in three wow. months. Damn. None of us felt strong. Damn. Well, I did because I did the hatchet stuff, but no one else felt strong as hell. We did a 12-week, once-a-week squat program over the summer and got over a ton of PRs. Right. And now no one else has needed to squat for a little while because we haven't needed to do it. But I knew all of my guys needed to do it. I see. So you you have to recognise the individual perspective of what those members need. You can't just have a programme and just expect everyone to... Because I know like um, Mayhem, uh, I know um, NC Fit, the original, uh, I don't know what they're called now. I can't remember what they're called. I think they're still NC Fit, which is Jason Kaleepa's one he was one of the original pioneers to sell affiliated programming. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and I know a lot of it comes with a lot of coaching cues. I think it's fantastic for new coaches to learn programming because they give a lot of coaches feedback, a lot mm -hmm. of sort of coaching points on how they did this, how they done that, why they're doing this, why they're doing that. I think it's a brilliant learning tool for six, seven months, but start writing your own stuff and try and sort of figure out what you're going to need for people. Because at the end of the day, you know, what we need in Maidstone is totally different to what you need in Florida or Thailand. Yeah. You know, you like corn can have a bunch of mobile ass people because of a lot of MMA backgrounds and fighting backgrounds, but they're not strong as hell where we need a lot more mobile mobility work and sort of positional strength work compared to absolute strength work. Yeah. That, that, that makes sense man yeah that, that makes a lot of sense i think again from experience for me like um i i, I coach group classes at least three times a week so tuesday thursday friday occasional saturday and what i found was starting off i was focusing a lot on the workout itself like how can i make this a really great workout have people respond to it really positively but over time once you kind of consistently have that a set schedule it's a question of like the workout itself for me didn't really matter 
it just wasn't really working in terms of the people that it was I was pro providing the workouts for. They were older, so they were around sort of 50s to 60s on average. And I felt that the kind of the classic like hit or circuit concept just wasn't working. Even, even like the functional fitness concept, because I think it was a thing that was like, how can we do things that look really cool and complicated compared to the absolute baseline basic stuff that people actually need? Um, so I think pivoting, sort of shifting away from that concept of like, how can I make this workout really good compared to like, how does this fit in a bigger bigger program and how is it actually going to help people and i think exactly like you said i think again it's like for me exact same thing was like it's still related to the people that were at the gym consistently like monday to friday yeah uh, I, so that, that that's kind of that was kind of my thoughts i i personally feel that here the massive i i think the big limit people have here is that they do way too much and they think everything has to be at like the highest level. So we'll have guys who do like, like a boot camp class and they'll also do like kickboxing on the same, the same night. And, and that's, that, that's fine. Maybe once or twice, like in a week or a month, but if you do that every single day, you're just going to, I just feel you're going to burn out. I think that could be the, like that pre-competition phase I kind of spoke about earlier like if you're building then no but if you're going to pre-competition phase potentially sort of like looking at longer rounds and stuff like that if you're moving up a sort of like so i know boxing you do like five two minute rounds and it goes into like three minute rounds etc cetera, etc cetera. i'm not i know it kind of gets longer as you go on mm. but if you're in a pre-comp phase where you you do the boot camp you get fatigued as hell and then you go do sparring it's going to be like replicating those long later longer rounds so i suppose in a way that's a good thing but yeah it's not healthy to do it all the time that's your pre-competition phase which isn't very long yeah no so like for normal people like you from what i heard from ben you talking about like you know general population they don't need to go through pre-comp because they, yeah, they don't have competition, competition. yeah it's not yeah it's not it's not it, yeah it's not a competitive thing it's just a general health thing you know it's just like looking feeling good um, yeah and a, a lot of the time i have to tell people you're just you're doing too much like you're, you're trying to do everything and actually it's, it's not doing anything for you and i've can seen I a just, lot of can i so just maybe interject go ahead i would say that these people enjoy doing both things and they have fomo and that's why they do both all the time mm. yeah yeah that's why it's not they're not thinking about being too much on their body or anything they have fomo that like that they have the genuine fear that they're going to miss out and yeah. they want to do both so they've got friends at both classes and yeah. they don't want to miss out yeah. that's yeah. why they do it, it so yeah I, I that's a great great point it's definitely i had to just google fomo because i, I didn't yeah. feel missing out but yeah but yeah you're right yeah i 100 percent agree it's, and whether yeah. like one day that they take it a little bit easier or I don't I don't know what the classes are but one day they might take it a little bit easier but it, I definitely it definitely comes down to a social fear of missing out kind of aspect and this is where That's as a coach go on no yeah, sorry go, yeah. ahead, go ahead mate okay. go ahead. Yeah, this is where as a coach you need to understand who is doing that 
And that's where I would go around and prescribe them exactly what I want them to do and get it into their head. Like, look, you are doing way too much, but I can't stop you coming to both classes. I physically can't stop you coming to both classes. I understand why you come to both classes. Mm -hmm. So for this one, I want you to do this, 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 and this. And I want you to go at 60%. I want you to go at 50%. I don't want you to kill yourself. I know everyone else is. Don't fight that whiteboard, as Corn said it earlier. Let's not race that whiteboard and win it. What what you want to focus on right now? Is it pad work or is it boot camp? Oh, it's boot camp, then do that. Pad work, release some stress, great, punch some shit. But let's not go all out on the minute rounds that they're going to do and they're going to tell you to throw up pretty much at the end of it because I know that's a lot of fucking like MMA and boxing kind of style training is brutal. So I think that's it. And they just need to think that through. And if you can't get through to them, some people are lost cause, I think. I don't know what your mm. take on that. No, I, I think I think I totally agree with that, mate. I think Tash like, made a very good point. Um, yeah, that and that that actually hits pretty close to home because I think I think I probably struggle with that a lot when I was back in the UK and I was in a long distance relationship because uh, I just didn't have I struggled with like connections outside of the gym. I kind of focused everything on the gym, so my social interaction was was gym based. So I totally get you. Yeah, someone else I know like that at the moment. But he doesn't yeah. have a relationship at all, I don't think. Well, he kind of does and doesn't. Oh, right. Yeah. Just spends all the time in the gym because I think there's something missing from outside the gym that he can't connect with. And it's yeah. just the gym is their, their home and he just does way too much all the time. Um, right. And when he stripped yeah. it back and started training with myself and kind of learning a little bit more and actually sort of taking it in, um, really learn that you didn't need to do too much yeah absolutely yeah. So. i think i saw a great post on instagram yesterday and it's about like um if you're doing like two if you work out two or three class per day maybe spend that extra energy on recovery and food and i was like that is so true because most people mess up recovery and food and just try to get in more exercise yeah, where yeah. people don't understand that actually exercise is like damaging to your body and it's the food and recovery that make it better but people don't focus on that mm -hmm. it's yeah i think ben bergeron said something before for every hour of training they want to focus on 20 30 minutes of recovery that could be massage baths ice baths but food as well, stuff like that. Um, mm. Yeah, I think that's something along those lines. I can't remember exactly, if, absolutely years ago, but, you know, it, it's kind of the same theme, you know. Um, I know Ben, um, Bob, Jack from Box Nutrition posted something up earlier, actually, it was quite cool. Like doing something from zone four plus, you need 48 hours recovery from doing it again, at oh, least. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. That he's never posted anything like that. That was a really cool little thing. That was pretty um, interesting, yeah. And I don't know if any of you said, like, my Garmin doesn't do it, but some Garmin watches, I think the Forerunner and Up, like the Fennec stuff, do, like, um, once you've done a training session, it will tell you a recovery time. And sometimes it will mm -hmm. literally say, like, four days. Oh, damn. And you look at it going, nah, don't need four days for that. And it's yeah, like, yeah, actually, you, you probably do from that style of training you've done. Yeah, that's it. That's interesting. That yeah. and that's where like the West Side stuff come in. Once you've done a speed day, you don't do it for another seventy-two hours until the next speed day, like that kind of vibe. 
And you kind of now understand where Louis was kind of coming from with that point. So then you're not fatiguing into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Damn, four, four days recovery. Yeah. It's pretty intense, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's what I find um, problem with like some CrossFit gym where it's just all intensity every day. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like that's not good for your member. E- even CrossFit.com yeah. is not intense every day. If you look at their mm-hmm. programming, they have a squat day. Yeah. One of their days is literally a five by five deadlift. That's it for the hour. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We've gone into this culture where you've got the five by five deadlift into a 20 minute AMRAP. Now, <laughs> I'm not going to lie, there is no way I'm getting up to my 80%, which is, I think, two something. Like, in five minutes with some inchworms for a warm up, and then doing five sets of five with only a minute rest in between and then going to do a 20 minute AMRAP. I'll be broken. Yeah. I went to one of that yeah. CrossFit gym in Thailand before and it's like the warm up is the workout and then we do string and then we do second workout and then we do third workout and I was just like, what it's like one hour of just like 180 heart rate all the time like my son four son five for one hour i'm just so ben ben has been doing some hot starts um it's kind of what philly calls them it's kind of what i like it so it is a warm-up where you've got three to four rounds and each round you go from like 60 to 80 percent effort and you kind of move to groove on the first lot and then you really do build the heart rate up to jack it up and then you just cool down enough yeah. for the workout or what you're doing in the future. Um, but it's not like a two-minute changeover, right, kit away, this, now, let's go, right, and cool that way. Like there's rest periods where it's like rest is needed after mm-hmm. and get going. Yeah, man. I've, I've, I quite like those though because like they're still very warm-up specific. It's not like you're actually doing like a wad or a workout to warm up is just is a lot of it is like the sort of things you do in a warm up but kind of more more condensed I guess you know more kind of brought together which I actually quite like it makes yeah. it a lot more structured um yeah so yeah yeah I, I quite like it it's like I think there's one here um here's your hot start for Monday just to kind of well 10 hang uh, kettlebell snatches overhead carry left arm overhead carry right arm 10 windmills each side um you know the first round you're not going to move relatively fast you're going to feel really shitty on those windmills and then after a while you can start just coming up and down and really get some good shoulder rotations mm. but the kettlebell snatches are going to be nice and quick build some speed and endurance i would have put the kettlebell snatches at the end no nah, because he's got to get the kettlebell up anyway so you might as well kettlebell oh, snatch nice. finish it arm and then keep that shoulder there for yeah. some um and the tricep stuff then you've got Bro, some you got you're having me you're having me snatch that day no i need kettlebell Oh yeah, hang snatch there. Yeah, I'm gonna see how you hang snatch. It's been a while. <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing. Good luck. All right. It's a lot. It's a lot of shot. It's a shoulder day, really. Shoulder and tricep day. So, um, let's look up 81 kilo world record. Snatch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Liu Jin or Mohammed Yao? Of course it's yeah. Of course it's Lou. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but this sorry, this is totally random. But I don't know if you saw Clarence Kennedy's video recently about. I don't know if you follow him on YouTube. His Q&A? No, he, not the Q&A. He did a one more, I think it was a couple of days ago. It was basically like why he doesn't compete in the Olympics. His, his argument was that like the the doping agency, the anti-doping agency concept is completely corrupt. It's really interesting. 
Oh, okay. But no, his his whole thing is just like, dude, everyone's on drugs. Like, yeah. I'm stupid. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that was. That was anyway, it's not. It's not tangent. It's not this week. It's not this week. <laughs> Sorry, my <bad>. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about that because I have like powerlifting friend, and yeah, we've been talking about it. We did a lot of uh, drug stuff last week. Oh right, okay. Yeah. Um, but how how are they going to start testing? Um, athletes if they're going to be online competitions and stuff like that yeah so yeah Yeah. it's going to be a bit weird anyway uh any other questions ben you got anything off the fly off the top of your head can i I just say in my programs i i um there's always two rest days so i always tell the athlete they can rest whenever as long as they take two um, but there is two rest days. I think you program oh. five workout yep. days. Five, five, five to two, yeah. See, I That's see cool. what time they can give. If they can commit four days to me, I'll give them four days. If they can only commit three, I commit three. I, I, know, I want to know what their minimum working time is, and I'll program to that. And until... Especially if I feel like it's someone who's going to be flaky, that they haven't got a two-year goal. Yeah, but it's like Shaza. I know, I know. But when they when they tell me that, and they're super busy, let's say, we're all now going back to offices and stuff like that, travel times are going to go higher. Yeah. The time's going to get worse and worse, and you're not going to have as much of it. Then I make sure that they have a minimum work requirement for the week, the hours they've got to do per day or something like that. If it's only three days a week they can do, I'll give them that. And once they've kind of ticked it all off, you know, when you're meant to tick off your workouts and give me comments, then um, <laughs> then you can then get more and more. And then and that's how I kind of gain the trust of it as well. Because they're like, yeah, I want like six workouts a week. And this is like, dude, you don't have the time. And if you don't have yeah. the time, you're not going to recover. It's a fair point. Yeah, I actually program even if people ask me for five day program, I programmed um four days, and one day is active recovery disguised as a workout. <laughs> is that part? Is nice. that so four days with an active or four days and one of them is so it's three tough days, let's say, and one active? No, no, no it's four days, yeah, and then one day active recovery, five yeah, day yeah, basically. Yeah, if they ask for me, like. I feel like four day is possibly the maximum of what I want them to do actual workout, like three to four days. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I, I, I've actually forced that, and you don't really see this anywhere else in a group class. Um, yeah, we do a lot of body. So we either do a long workout and some bodybuilding after. Um, so a lot of like elbow and arm work because we don't really do enough of that. And when we go back to snatching, our elbows are going to hate us um and so around like shoulders and stuff um or yeah we'll do like a long amrap but it'll be like kind of like ben's warm-up kettlebell hang snatches overhead carries come back potentially some skipping to get some heart rate kind of disguised as a workout but But actually at the same time if us for and me tash and corn have been there five days a week we're gonna need it if Ben hasn't turned up for the last two days, he can actually go hard in that if he wants to. Mm. And that's where you right. individualize yeah. back down to the client again. Mm-hmm. Mm. So you mm. could go harder in that. Let's say it's a 15, 20 minute AMRAP. 
we can move through it real nice and breezy. And I had this the other day, Sheena finished it, the same workout, a couple of people were blowing. Sheena was like, oh, I've really started settling into a stride now. I feel great. Which was perfect because she's been training hard prior to it and she's going to train hard after it. Like days, I mean, I don't mean straight after. But she felt into a real nice constant rhythm for that 15 minutes. So she wasn't, heart rate wasn't jacked up to hell. She wasn't getting muscular fatigue where she was ruining like carries and sets and stuff like that or jogs. She literally just felt in a really good rhythm, which is exactly what I wanted from her. I see. Mm. Uh, mate, uh, uh, guys, are there like situations where you have a program laid out, you've laid out like goals, you've set out expectations and it like just doesn't work out. So like even not like the, the client's situation just completely changes. Like something just comes up where things are just physically impossible. What, and they quit or like just? Let's say they're like close to quitting or they feel like they're just either not getting results or they feel like too much is happening around it that they, they can't follow it. Like how, how, how would you approach that? How would you approach that point where people are saying like, I actually want to give up? Corn taught me this. So Corn can elaborate a little bit more after, but um corn was one of the first people to kind of tell me to sort of change how i sort of got people to pay um so potentially with the thing they kind of go into like a mini contract where they up like they pay like three months in advance which actually you've just done but once they've done that and if they're like two weeks in they're like look you've just paid for three months you you can't get this back this is now our little contract right but if it's towards the end of it then uh i give people time yeah. I give people time. I potentially, if I'm around, if I was at the gym, I'd give, I'd tell them to come down and train with us. Just come down and get some sort of, like, just get some energy from other people and potentially get a little bit more sort of like flight from it, depending on what they're training for, obviously. Um, yeah, I like, it's a really broad question, to be fair. Like, it's depending what's their, what's the backstory, you know? Yeah. Because lots of motivation can be so many things. And sometimes you just need to talk to them. Sometimes, like, it's external environment and and they just want to survive and that's fine. Like, you just, you just you know, tell them you can take one week off and sort yourself out. That's what I just did, you know, from what happening with me. I just said to Whitney, say, I'm not going to do anything for two weeks. And she said, yeah, fine. And I'll be back on it and I feel great. So all depends. I think it's the fine line where we're health and fitness professionals in that sense, but we're not mental health experts. Um, some of us are from generally our own experiences. Um, and I laugh at that at the same time. Um, but, you know, it's we're human. And I think that's where one of the biggest coaching things you need to be a very good coach is empathy. Yeah. Mm. You need to be able yeah. to have that with people. Um, and I think that's where the relationship goes straight away. I've had a new PT client who is just shit scared. Um, she used to do CrossFit years and years ago with her husband. Her husband's been with me now for two years. Um, he's done it every day, three days a week, um, five days a week. He's now building up. I've PT'd him now for a month and a half. She kept coming out and I was like, right, you've got one for free next week because you need to start moving. 
you know, she's uh, all her family have had diabetes. And then when I say all her family, I mean all her family. Um, she's had she's had full on knee, like her whole patella is split in half, um, yeah. like from years ago. She's had some sort of like skin cancer scares and stuff like that. And it's like, right, I'm I'm now worried for you because I know your whole family. I've trained your whole family. You're all part of our family. Like, I'm going to give you a session. And she was so scared. But I didn't care if she deadlifted three times, 20 times, 25 times or done all the accessory work that I kind of had idea in my head. If she just wanted to deadlift three times, that's absolutely fine. But she's nervous, she just chats. And you can't be pissed with people who just want to keep chatting and chatting and chatting and chatting and chatting. You find a point where, right, cool, next lift, let's go. And they kind of go, okay, cool, right on it. But you need to be there and listen to them. Mm. Even if you can't offer expert advice, you just need to be there to listen to them and just be that kind of just let them look in, like look at them while they're talking to you and stuff like that. And you'll get a much better relationship and a much better connection that they won't have that feeling again the week and the week after and week after. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, like you, 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 like for me, I did that post about, um, for, for being a coach, you need to, to, to learn some psychology, like not to treat them, but to understand and try to like know where maybe sometime you need to like, Oh, that's, that's the line where you need to refer to someone else. Yeah. Mm. And I did, actually. My PT client not too long ago, I asked Ben about a, an eating disorder um, because I and I reached out to Jack and I reached out to a couple of people because I was like, look, tell me because I might know people to help. You may not want them in. That's fine. I will be the mount. I'll, I'll be the messenger boy. I'm more than happy to talk between two yeah. or three different people if you don't trust them, if you don't want to talk to anyone else. I'm more than happy to do that to help you because I want to help you. And sometimes you may not have the best coach. And um, I've had it a couple of times. I So let's, let's talk weightlifting, for instance. I can teach people basic weightlifting um, to a, a, a reasonable level, in a sense. Tash can teach probably a little bit higher. But then Tash won't be able to get someone ready for nationals. Not whatsoever. So she'll pass on to Ian, who's a better coach in that sense, more experienced and de definitely in that side. So I think as coaches, programming-wise, you program someone to the best of their abilities, mm -hmm. unless you grow with them. And I'm thinking of like Matty Rogers coach. I know her first coach, not Amy now, but her first coach in Florida, he got her to where um, he became a very good coach. And I think he was part of the uh, American team at one point. Yeah, but before that, he was just a CrossFit coach, I think. Mm. Um, so unless you grow with your athlete um, or client, then if they you know need experts in other field or even in the same field you you've got to let go and push them onto it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah a little bit of programming but i know yeah <laughs> what are still, we talking about <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's still kind of programming yeah yeah yeah, how no. have you, um, Corn? how have you found difference from doing like CrossFit programming to now what you do with uh, like you've had with me or with Whitney? Um, the difference between CrossFit programming and individualized programming? Yeah, so like, I suppose the reason we go to a CrossFit place is the community, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how have you found it difficult doing the individual stuff compared to doing the 
you know, like group programming, like, do you, you must prefer individual because you've stayed with it for a while, but I take it there's stuff you miss about group. Yeah, the, of course, yeah, the social, like, it's so much more fun to do a class workout, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I like individual because like when you do it, you, f- you felt like it's something actually got better. Like every session you feel like, oh yeah, like my skill improved. But like fit CrossFit, you're just like going in, have fun and get out and get tired and do it again tomorrow. But with ID, it's just like, yeah, you, you know you get better every single day. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do get some people can't do ID. Like there are clients who come to me, try ID and hate it. Just like, no, like they want to do group class. And I, I just say, yeah, go do group class. If that your fitness, is that like how you're going to get yourself fit, do what you need to do. I don't care. Yeah, I like that. I think that's, I think everyone, if, if anyone in the fitness industry says, no, you need to do this type of programming, they're, they're not right for the industry. They're terrible. Yeah, because like no, no one is the same. So whatever that works for you. Yeah. As long as you're moving and grooving, I do not care. I know, yeah. Like, I, I actually don't even care if they exercise. I just want them to move. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're born to move. That's it. Yeah. I think my experience with like individual stuff, coaching a lot of individual work, but coaching group stuff, is I follow group programming, or I did, and I will do again. But I wasn't just following their group programming. I was following their coaching stuff as well. So it kind of worked hand in hand. And their group programming really helped me define my group programming. So they did daily videos on what the intents were, like what the um, intent was, why we're doing it, what the next cycle looks like in set things and why we're hitting certain aerobic zones and stuff like this. And it really, really helped me develop it. But I think for everyday people following, let's say like I was the training think tank design stuff or comp train, like you're not looking at it like that. Like I'm not looking at a workout individually for myself going, right, this is going to suck there, this there, that there. I need to do this time there for that time there to make up that time there and that time there. And you don't get people doing that very often unless they've experienced the coach, I suppose. Yeah, that I can, I can definitely understand that, man. I think especially with like, I think with group classes and, and especially with probably see it a lot with CrossFit as well. Um, yeah. The, yeah I, I think the quality of the coach is probably critical to actually like finding genuine success from CrossFit. Mm-hmm. I, I'd be interested to know the amount of people who go in, jump into like a boot camp class or whatever it is. And the coach just isn't bothered. Just, just kind of going through the motions, mm-hmm. just doesn't care. And they just don't get anything out of it at all. I think I think that's that that for me is just a, a big concern a fo- focus that I have for when you know especially for the, the members that we have at, at our gym um, yeah. just I, making sure they they have, they get value from what from what we're doing. I was talking to um, Glenn, who is the owner of um, OPEC Gatwick, and one thing that he said that really stick to me is like um, actually you don't need to program that good. Like your programming doesn't have to be that, you know, perfect all the time. What 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 business we actually in is building relationship. We are building relationship with people. We are training people. We're not oh, like, you know, 
people are not a machine that we can just program them. We're actually building relationships, trying to make them fit. And I was like, that is so true. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, I I think think sometimes the fitness industry as well kind of promotes too much about like the quality of the training, like or whatever this person believes, or they're kind of like, you know, the quality of the workouts themselves. I, I, I totally agree with that, man. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, All right. Yeah. Who was speaking then? Who was going to go? Did someone. Me, go? But no, I was waiting for you. You go on. What you could no, say. I was going to say, yeah, I think the only time when the program really has to matter, like to the T, is when you're competing, when you are like looking right. to go to the Olympics, when you are doing yeah. athletics. Like there has to be intent and reason behind it. But for general fitness purposes, you just need to know your KPIs in that sense. So your mobility, your strengths, your weaknesses, and you know what you actually physically need to do to get by for life. Do the bare minimum, and that's it, really. Right. And that's easy to program. And again, the program doesn't need to be great for that. Yeah. When you're trying to maximize human performance for the 100-meter sprint, you do need to program very well for stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And those, no. those athletes need to make the trade-offs to require to make that happen. 100%. Yeah. But it's not healthy. No. Whatsoever. No, dude. And that's what people need to really understand. I think, especially with the CrossFit side of things, you're trying yeah. to thrash yourself think, every day. What's the reason for that? Are you going to become an athlete? No. Okay. Stop doing it. Yeah. You, you know that um, sickness, wellness, fitness, CrossFit, continuum thingy. Yeah. Yeah. I think people look at that and like, oh yeah, we need to be the, the fittest. But I think that that is wrong. Like you, if you saw the OPEX one, actually it's going backwards. Like it's going to fitness and then it's going yeah. from fitness over fitness and it's become sickness. Yeah, it kind of goes like that and then comes back around, doesn't it? It loops back on back its own. Yeah. Um, it's just like, yeah, that is true. Like oh, and one thing I learned or, or what I, I, I heard from um FRC functional rain conditioning course is like they said if you become good at sport, then you become worse at being human. And I was like, yep. Well, that's quite cool. That's right. I, like that. I really yeah. like that. That's really cool. That's really cool. Because you become so specific to your sport, isn't it? It's like you're doing baseball and do that in um, internal, ex- external rotation all the time. That's not how human move, move normally. Yeah. Mm. No, not at all. And I think that's where it becomes difficult to program for longevity within sport. Because nowadays, you know, yeah, yeah. everyone's starting younger. Everyone's now younger in any sport you look at. Golf, particularly, you know, I think Lee Westwood put it up the other day. He's, I can't remember how old he is now. I think 47, something like that. And he's still still kind of putting it with the young guns in a sense. Um, <laughs> you know, it's you look at Aaron Jones for Wales Rugby. I can't remember how old he is. But like most of his team are probably the same age as his boys. Like it's ridiculous. So, you know, it's I think that's where the difference in programming comes from. I think Ben's Walmart orders just arrived. Walmart. All right. So well, it's fine. We need to potentially wrap up soon anyway. Um, yeah, I think programming wise, you've got to look at is he back? 
back. Sorry, guys. I'm back. Walmart order arrive. <laughs> yes, sir. That's all right. Yeah. We're going to wrap up a little bit now anyway. You got any other questions burning a hole? Or? No, mate. Questions? Yeah, we're good. Questions good. are good for today. Yeah, thanks, cool. man. Appreciate everything. That's all right. Um, I, I love programming. I love... I have to be in the mindset for it, though. Um, but I love... When, I, when things start to click and things start to roll, it's just so cool. Um, when you can get creative with it, it's really, really cool. Like the big whiteboard I've got behind me, if I get a new individual client, that gets smothered in everything and everything that I've asked them. And I kind of piece pieces together. And how I kind of go about it is I plan for whenever their next thing is. Um, and I'll go three, six, nine months, 12 months and kind of block it all out and kind of write little notes here and there and just go crazy on it. Um, almost like when uh, what's his face in Hangover starts to see all the numbers. That's kind of how I, how I kind of, yeah, that's it. That's how I kind of envision when I've got a brand new individual client and I'm sort of going through the motions with stuff. Um, yeah. But then sometimes I, I just can't program for love or money. And that's where I have to remember that the workouts itself, they just have to have an intent behind it. And for the group stuff, especially, they just got to move and sweat. Like just got to make it fun. Yeah. Um, I think another podcast in the future would be sort of getting out of habits. That would be a good thing. Getting out of looking at the same kind of routines and trying to stick it to there and whatnot. Because I definitely get into that. And that's what I said about Chris. He will look at one side of thing and he needs all this where other people won't need it. But unfortunately, yeah. they're not going to get it. So, yeah. Anything else, Corn? No, man. Good to have you back, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah good to be back. Enjoy your day. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> Sun just came up. It's beautiful. Oh. It's coming to <laughs> 10 to midnight here. So, yeah. Yeah. is it half seven? Yep. Eight no, no, it's, it's seven. Seven. Seven o'clock. So, seven o'clock. Ben, sorry. We're, uh, we're we're seven fifty. Seven fifty. Yeah, we've we've had the clocks go for, haven't we? So, yeah. um, Corn, do your clocks go for as well? No, no. In Thailand, clock doesn't move. So, oh, so yours is seven. We are six, um, six fifty. Ten, ten to seven. So, do USA move their clocks as well then? Uh, yes, sir. All oh, right. Some yeah. some part right it's the pen right I think in USA some move some don't yeah it's weird wow yeah USA is weird well you've got different time yeah. zones all up your country through your country anyway yeah but we don't <laughs> we're too small so <laughs> sweet thanks guys uh yeah excited for this one I I love talking about programming potentially a programming part two coming up also yeah yeah that'd be a good one. How do we how we coach for individuals? That'd be quite cool for coaches, I think. Sick. Sweet. Mm -hmm. Peace out, guys.